Hello everyone, welcome back to My Solo Road. This is Sydney. Hi, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's our mental health, okay? Are we all solid? I'm doing pretty well, since everyone asked. Uh, I'm sitting in Page, Arizona right now, um, right outside of Lake Powell, and it is, wait for it, 91 degrees. And I, for the sake of uh, audio in your ears, I have closed all of the doors so that it's just a hot metal box with no vent fan on, and I'm just gonna sweat this one out. We're gonna pretend like it's a sauna and enjoy ourselves. I do have water, so yeah, anyways. Okay, what's happening? I've had quite the last like 12 hours. Okay, so last night we get to Lake Powell. We as in Henry and I and all of the dogs. We have foster dogs. I don't even know if I've talked about the foster dogs on the podcast that I talk about them last week. I'm not sure. But so we have five dogs and two people. We all got to Lake Powell last night. I crack open a margarita. It's the Cutwater Tequila Margarita that I put on my Instagram stories the other day. They are 12 and a half percent. Okay. So I don't really take much blame on what I'm about to tell you, but I'm drinking this margarita. I'm thinking that we are good for the night. You know, we're parked. We're, everything is safe. So Henry, out of nowhere, I'm about halfway through this margarita. He's like, let's take a walk. I thought he meant like a gentle walk, you know, let's just take the dogs for a quick stroll. So we like scurry down this rocky, cliffy, you know, thing. I don't know. And we kept getting, we would like go down a ways and then it would be at the top of a cliff. And so we'd have to find our way, like scale down that. And then we'd get to another like cliff. And we were trying to get down to the water so that Ella could swim. Cause it was like hot all day yesterday. We were, you know, ending the day. We just wanted her to swim. And so then we come back up from this hike. We're gone for probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Uh, at this point, I've obviously finished the margarita and I get back to my van and the doors are locked. And I was like, weird. I am pretty sure I left my car unlocked because my keys are in there. And so I'm like checking my pockets. I check Henry's van. My key is nowhere to be found. The problem is the puppies are in my van and all the doors are locked. And I mean, I had the vent fan on and the windows cracked. So like they, it was not too hot for them inside at that point because I had the vent fan on and everything. But, and there was cold water out, like don't be concerned. But I couldn't get inside. So I walk around to the back door and because my roller skates are like blocking where the thing locks, I don't think my back door is locked when I locked my car. Point is, didn't have my key, lost it on the hike, and I was able to get into the van, and so I just crawled through the back across my bed and then opened up the sliding door, and so we had to go through the hike again. We put on headlamps, because at this point it's dark. Uh, we bring all the dogs. I'm like hoping that maybe they could sniff it out, and uh, yet yeah, no, no luck. We had no key, so I at least had access to my van, like I could be inside my van, uh, but I couldn't move it. I couldn't do anything. And so I called around like last night. I just kind of we went to bed in Henry's van and I just was like, we're going to pretend like this is not happening until tomorrow. You know, it was already like nine or 10 p.m. Don't want to deal with this. Let's just go to bed. Let's watch Netflix and pretend like everything is fine. So we woke up this morning and uh, immediately I'm like calling the dealerships. There was just no way the, the hike we went on is not an actual hike. There's no trail you know what I mean? It's not like we would have walked down this trail and therefore it'd be on this trail. No, we were just exploring. Like there is no trail. There is nowhere that we could have gone. I was a margarita in. Henry had had a beer or two. You know what I, it, it just, I had no idea today where we went, where exactly we would have gone last night. Like how did we scale down? Did we go, did we take this left or did we take that right? Did we like, 
what did we do? Where could it be? And so we're calling the dealerships. Like nobody can really do anything. My only option was to tow my van from Page, Arizona to St. George and in St. George have uh, the dealership make me a key on Monday. It is Saturday. So I would have had to sit here in the 90 degree heat for the next two days, which is not the worst thing in the world. Like it, there is water for the dogs, you know, to play in and stuff. So it wouldn't have been horrible, but not preferred. And then tow my van, which I think AAA would have covered financially. And then get a key made, which I mean, that would have been expensive. But yeah, anyways, that's what I was going to do. Moral of the story, five minutes later, is we went down to the hike again today after making these calls. Uh, I was positive we were not going to find it. I mean, there's also like black rocks everywhere. So it just it completely blends in. And we're like walking along this ledge. And I immediately I started to open my mouth because, okay, Henry goes, we definitely walked this direction. And I opened my mouth to be like, I would have never walked along this ledge with Margarita. Like, I'm, I'm a little too, I, I like, this morning I was scared to be walking on the ledge. I was like, there's no way I would have done that. And as soon as I opened my mouth to say those words, he goes, found it. <laughs> and he had, in fact, found the key right on the tip of this ledge that I was apparently just walking on. Lesson learned uh, in many ways, but the biggest one being, uh, first of all, get a tile for your keys in your wallet, which I used to have, um, but they like expired or battery ran out or whatever. You have to like update them every once in a while. So I need to get new ones um, and also have more than one key. Because if you were thinking this whole time, Sydney, you probably have a spare key somewhere. You were wrong. I've just managed for three years to not have a spare key or ever lose my key. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm going to take some steps this weekend to get my life together and make sure that does not happen. But I mean, it's this is like par for the course, classic Sydney. OK, this story is not like a rarity in my life. I feel like I'm known for this type of thing. I have my life together in many not many, but a few ways. <laughs> and this is one of those things where it's like, I just am a little scatterbrained. Why would I put just a bare key on no keychain? I took it off the keychain. Why would I put that key in a pocket? I just shoved it in my pocket like it wasn't going to completely fall out. Obviously, it was going to fall out. Um, why did I do that? We don't know. Uh, but we have the key. I'm in my van. It is hot, but we are going to Flagstaff as soon as this podcast is over. And we're going to enjoy being a little bit higher up in elevation. And and hopefully cooler weather. Let's all take a breath. That probably sounded terrible on the microphone, but everybody take a breath. Everything's going to be great. And today, this podcast is about to be so much fun. So I've been wanting to talk to Renee Roaming on Instagram. Uh, we've been like online friends. I feel like I say that about every single guest that I've had on the podcast, but uh, she's been another online friend of mine. We have talked so many times. Um, I've sent her coffee and she's just incredibly sweet. She's very kind. Uh, she takes these absolutely stunning photos. She travels all over the world. She's originally from Australia. Uh, we'll obviously dive into like where she grew up and what inspired her and all these things once we get to talk to her. Um, but she's from Australia. She now lives in Seattle and she just travels all over the place with her husband taking these insanely beautiful photos and videos. Um, and she's just a really fun person to follow and very informative in terms of like hiking and, uh, I don't know, camping, car camping, even like planes and, you know, how to just do all of the things. Uh, also really informative in terms of photography, which I always appreciate because I'm trying, I just bought a new camera. <gasps> how exciting. I've had the same camera for my 
probably at least five years. Um, they're just expensive. And I, you know, it worked. My camera just worked. So I was like, I don't need to invest in a new one. This is doing just fine. But I, the time has come where I kind of want to up my game. So I'm paying close attention to people like Renee and photographers that know what they're doing. Uh, so that when I get this new camera in a couple days, uh, whenever it gets here, I know how to work it and what's going on. Um, so anyways, I'm happy to kind of introduce her and I'm going to call her in just a minute. Uh, and yeah, before that, we'll just dive right into our favorite segment of the day, BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is an online counseling platform that we're all well, well acquainted with, I believe, at this point. Um, it's how I've been getting therapy for about a year, year and a half. Not really sure. Shout out to Kayla, my therapist. We love her. I always say that. Um, but yeah, therapy can be whatever you want it to be especially with better help. I think it takes, at least for myself, it takes the pressure off of sitting in front of a human being and just like staring at each other and what's going on. Um, you know, you can do video or phone calls on better help. I personally do a phone call because I talk to my friends and my family on the phone so often that that's just like a comfortable way of speaking for me. So I, we, she calls me, uh, through the app on my phone and which is also nice cause you don't have to be connected to Wi-Fi. You just need cell phone service. So wherever I am, if I have a bar or two of service, I can have my therapy call and she calls me and we just chat on the phone. I tell her whatever is going on in my life, what I need help with. Sometimes it's like emotional and personal or, you know, my relationship. And then other times it's like, these are my business goals and this is how I want to get there. Um, we kind of jump all over the place and she knows that that's my preferred way of doing things. Like, you know, you set this therapy appointment once a week and I don't, I don't know how I'm going to walk into it that day. Like, how am I feeling? What's on my mind? Not really sure until I show up. Um, and then I just kind of start spewing stuff and she works with me through that. So anyways, I've had a very, very positive experience with BetterHelp. If you would like to join, um, and work with, uh, over, okay, you're not working with over a million people. That would be crazy. Join over a million people prioritizing their mental health. Uh, you can go to betterhelp.com slash divine. That's, uh, help, H-E-L-P, help, betterhelp.com slash divine for 10% off. And yeah. Okay. Let's call Renee and figure out, uh, how she is able to travel the entire world. I'm fascinated. Okay, and we are back with Renee Honnell, married to Matthew Honnell. We'll get into that later, but Renee Roaming on Instagram. Where are you currently? I'm at home in Seattle, in Washington. How long have you lived in Seattle? So we moved, oh gosh, I think three years ago now. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of 2017, we moved to Seattle. And previously to that, my husband and I were living in Colorado. And then um, previous to that, we're from Melbourne, Australia. So your husband's from Australia too? Yeah, yeah. We're both Australian, which actually a lot of people don't realize that. They think that either, you know, he's the Aussie or I'm the Aussie and the other one isn't. But we we just were super lucky and we won the green card lottery or like the DV lottery system, which gives you permanent residency in the US. And we won that in 2014, I think it was. Yeah, 2014. And then we moved in 2015 to the US. So we just have like a 20 year permanent residency in the US um, where we don't have to have work visas or anything like that, which is so amazing because um, obviously it's not that easy for a lot of people. Yeah. How did you come to the realization you wanted to move to the United States? Australia is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Australia. I'm not um, hating on Australia in any way. So we love the mountains and we love hiking mm. and camping and that sort of thing. And 
Australia, you can do all of that in Australia, but I wouldn't say Australia is famous for their mountains. Like Australia is famous for the coastline and the beautiful deserts and um, like very similar landscapes to like the Southwest of the USA in a lot of places, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of Australia I still want to see, but we, yeah, like we really love the mountains and we traveled to the US for the first time in 2012. And we took Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) pretty like crazy to think about actually we like quit our jobs and we took a three-month road trip from one side to the U.S. to the other and we also went up into Canada and we visited like national parks and we hiked and we just did like all the really touristy stuff like we went to Vegas and we went to New York City and Disneyland. Yeah, it was really fun. But during that trip, particularly like the outdoor things that we did, the national parks and um, going up into Canada, the Canadian Rockies and stuff, we it really solidified for us that we love this kind of thing and we love more of that, you know, like the pine trees and the the mountain peaks with snow on them and stuff like that in comparison to the landscapes in Australia. And we also were I like hesitate to say this, but you probably know America doesn't always have the best reputation in other places around the world. For sure. <laughs> so <laughs> you're like probably so most of the time. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is really unfortunate. So we didn't really know like what to expect of the US before traveling here for the first time. And we sort of had these like uh, preconcepted ideas of like what the people were like. And anyway, we were pleasantly surprised when we traveled to the US that people are very lovely very normal you know for the most part like any country there's some crazies but uh, (laughs) and it was just like so many places we went in the U.S. was actually very similar to where we're from in Melbourne Australia like LA San Francisco Seattle like Vancouver obviously in Canada but all these places are like so similar to Australia the people are very similar and we just realized hey like we could we could live here and like in our free time go to these sort of outdoor places that we really love to explore and we could you know not we had no plans to like become photographers or bloggers or anything like that so we were more just thinking from a perspective of working nine to five full-time jobs like on the weekends and on public holidays and things like that we could explore a brand new country like and do things we'd never done before so anyway we heard about the green card lottery it's called the dv lottery if anyone wants to google it but we heard about that and we applied and we didn't get it the first time but then the second year we applied we got it and it was a real shock to us they don't like tell you that you've won i don't know if anyone like knows that but you don't get informed that you won so you have to remember to check Like you have to remember to go into your email and like find the email, which is like not easy to find because they name it really weird stuff. And then you have to work out how to log into this website and then get into the website. And then you can see if you've won or not. So I think like a lot of people don't even check. We checked right at the end. Like we were like a week before it was going to be given to someone else. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I was just laying there in bed. I was like, oh, I like never checked if we got that thinking. Like, of course we didn't. And Matt and I weren't even living with each other at the time. We were staying to buy a house. We were living at our parents' houses, like 30 minutes from each other. And so I like checked it and we had one and I rang Matt at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, we won the green card lottery. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so should we move? And I was like, yeah. And then we just went to bed and the next day we started planning moving to the US. It was quite bizarre. That's the coolest story I've ever heard in my life. That is amazing. 
Yeah, that's so lucky. And that's so cool that you guys are both that type of person to take that leap. I mean, you know, just not really knowing, I guess, what the future would hold. That's super scary. But it sounds like both of you guys were just the type of person to want to do it and just be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And we were really lucky. I, I always say this to people that, you know, we're very privileged in that we knew we could just come home if it didn't work out. You know, we right. um, had supportive family that if we had sort of moved and after six months, we were like, we hate it here. And we like had no money after moving. We could have just gone home and like lived with our parents. And we had that safety net of, you know, not having to like be out on the streets if we totally effed up, you know? So super thankful that we had that like supportive family that kind of encouraged us to follow our dreams and were like not going to judge us if it didn't work out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. And so now you, you live in Colorado now you live in Seattle. How has Seattle been? I've only been to Washington once and I was there for like a couple of days and it was during, of course, the, the fires, like the really bad fires and stuff. So I didn't even really get to see anything. I would, I was stayed inside for a couple of days, but how has Seattle been specifically during COVID? Is yeah. it kind of similar to everywhere else? I think it's similar to other places on the West Coast. So I think like, I think we all know that like the West Coast has approached COVID a little differently to other uh. places in the country. So yeah, yeah. we've had um, <laughs> we've had restrictions and lockdowns and, and that sort of thing. But honestly, it hasn't changed too much for Matt and I. It's obviously changed the amount we can travel. That right. goes without saying. But into otherwise our day to day life. We work from home anyway. A lot of the stuff we do just involves like going hiking, which there was only a very short period that, you know, federally national parks and, and, you know, state-wise state parks were closed. So we got out, we could get outdoors quite early on in the pandemic, which was so great. I know a lot of people around the world didn't have that outlet. So I'm super thankful for that. But we aren't like party people. We don't have like tons of friends. (laughs) Like we kind of keep to ourselves for the most part anyway. And the friends that we do have here in Seattle are all like the same as us. They're travel photographers who um, work for themselves. So I feel like compared to, you know, the average person who it really changed um, the way they work and the way they live. There was, there's been big changes for us, but maybe not as, as dramatic as for some people. Right. Yeah, for sure. Before COVID, were you like flying a lot? And now, I mean, I follow you pretty closely. So I see like, especially lately, you've been doing a lot of car camping. Is that something that you really enjoyed beforehand? Or yeah, how did you do the three month road trip? Was that a car camping situation when you first came to the US? We were sort of like doing a mix of um, hotels and camping and just sort of you know, just like a mix of budget travel. But yeah, prior to the pandemic, once we were living in the US, we definitely did a lot of um, road trips and car camping and stuff like that. We did a road trip to all the national parks in 2017 and we lived in a van. We actually lived for about 18 months in a variety of vehicles between having apartments. What was was your favorite? What was your favorite vehicle? Definitely the van that we had for the National Park trip. Rudy, she was a um, 88 uh, Westphalia Vanagon. She just had a lot of character. Uh, she liked to did break she, down. Did, did she manage to stay together ever? Well, I feel like Westphalias typically have some issues. She surprisingly fed so well on that trip. Like, honestly, we drove 25,000 wow. miles And the most problems that we had was she had some issues at high elevations. She would just 
if we woke up at like 10,000 feet, having camped the night in freezing cold weather, she'd be like, oh, I don't really want to get started today. So like right. that sometimes <laughs> we'd have to like wait a while till we could drive. And then other than that, just very like typical things, like we, um, you know, needed to replace like brake pads and stuff like that, but we didn't actually have a proper serious breakdown that entire road trip which honestly shocked us we were fully prepared to get stuck somewhere but yeah yeah, for such an old girl she fared really well yeah that's honestly a miracle I've never heard of such a thing with Westphalia usually people love Westphalia's for the character which is totally understandable they're like the cutest most photogenic like fun type of van but yeah they just usually are like falling apart at the seams so you definitely got super lucky there well shout out to um the reason why she was so good is because she was um totally like souped up from go Westie they were the ones who gave us the van for the trip Mm -hmm. and they had like done such a good job making sure that her parts were all like the best they could possibly be for such an old car so I think honestly if we had have just taken any old Vatican we probably would have had a lot of problems but because they're like experts and they did such a good job getting her ready they really prevented us having problems yeah that's awesome okay so was there a moment I mean like before you came to the States. Did you travel much? And like, when, when was a moment that you guys kind of fell in love with that? Were you guys travelers before that? Did you explore Australia and stuff before you came to the States? I'm just curious to know if there was like a trip that you took and you were like, this is it. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So I was really lucky that my, my parents really valued travel while I was growing up. We did road trips. Like they took my sister and I out of school when I was in prep, which is, I think, kindergarten here in the US. It's like when you're like five, like your first kind of school thing. Anyway, they took me and my sister out of school when I was that age. And we did like a whole term of school road tripping up the East Coast of Australia. So like, that's how cool my parents are. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I was lucky to be introduced to like the idea and the concept of travel from a pretty early age. Not that we were like full-time traveling or things like that, but I had opportunities that I think definitely some people don't get growing up. So very thankful for that. And then my sister is three years older and she, like, I will preface that like every young person in Australia pretty much travels. It's just like extremely normal. And it's honestly, you're kind of in like the minority getting to like 25 and having not taken some sort of backpacking trip or like some sort of road trip or some sort of group travel adventure or something. It's like very normal. It's very encouraged. Gap years after high school before you go to university is like encouraged and normal. So I will preface it with that. It's very different to the US. (laughs) I love all of that. Wow. Yeah. So um, yeah. So my sister did a lot of traveling in those years that I was, um, you know, still in high school and sort of in university. So I had her to look up to um, and sort of model myself on. And then my first really big trip that like didn't involve my parents was when I was 18, maybe I was 19. I went on a two month trip to South America with my boyfriend, who's now my husband and my sister. And we, that was probably the first time that I was like, oh, wow, like this, I like spending like all my own money and I'm like having to like, you know, use a different language of like work out where I'm going. And that was definitely like my first proper travel experience where I like had to have my, you know, things together (laughs) to be able to survive, (laughs) which was really eye opening and really amazing. And it sort of just kept 
being fueled on from there. And then I would say that 2012 trip in the US with my husband was the sort of big time when we were like, yeah, we definitely need to keep making travel a priority. Like we love this so much, even if it means spending like all our savings on traveling. You yeah. definitely, that was really eye-opening. Like, okay, this is for us. Yeah. I'm curious uh, where you went in South America. We started in um, Santiago, um, in Chile and we went across to where did we finish we finished in Rio in Brazil we sort of like traversed across the country we did like mm-hmm. Bolivia Peru <clears throat> Paraguay or was it Uruguay I, I get those two confused it was so long ago we went to Argentina yeah yeah it was like such a crazy trip I look back on it now and I realize like how naive I was but I was like 19 so I mean yeah, everybody's naive at that age yeah exactly and it was a long time ago now <laughs> yeah was there any time that you felt unsafe like during that trip or really any trip I mean not that you even should feel unsafe in those places that's just a question I get all the time I just got back from Baja Mexico which is like if you're gonna go anywhere in Mexico and like feel safest it's Baja I mean it's directly below California there's so much tourism there you know I stayed in paid campsites the whole time I was with Henry I was with friends and stuff so I had a very wonderful experience but on TikTok and you know on social media everybody was like yeah until the cartel comes and gets you and I'm just (laughs) like god I'm literally on a beach. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And everyone here is so nice, yeah. um, especially locals, of course. So yeah, I'm just curious if there was a moment where you felt unsafe or I guess what your thoughts around that would be. Honestly, I've never felt more unsafe traveling than I have just walking around my neighborhood. I yeah. actually get more creeped out. And I live like in a quote-unquote safe neighborhood in like the suburbs of Seattle. It's like got a really good reputation. But I get more creeped out walking around my neighborhood thinking that some guy's going to pull up and put me in his trunk than I do when I'm traveling. I don't know, maybe that's naive, but I, yeah, I just like haven't had really bad experiences traveling. I did get some um, money stolen in South America, but it was like, that can happen anywhere. And it was like, I just did the wrong thing. Like I put it in a place that was, you know easy for someone to steal and that would seriously happen in Seattle so like I don't think it's like a South American thing but yeah I I would travel without my husband more often like if we went together but I am also one of those people that is like hyper aware in situations like I if I'm walking down the street anywhere in the world I'm going to be looking for scenarios where something could happen if I'm not careful. And I don't freak myself out by doing that. I just think that is a really smart way as a woman to not get yourself in situations like that. Just being conscious of like, hey, like, who's that person? And are they approaching you? And like, what could I do if something goes wrong? I just apply those (laughs) same things. Yeah, like everywhere I am in the world, I'm just careful about what I do. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. And people do always say like, because I'll do like a video or something on, you know, van life, female safety and stuff. And most of the comments are always saying things like, it's just so sad that you have to navigate the world that way. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is sad, I guess. Like, it's not a preferred way of living. However, it's also just if I want to travel, if I want to see the world, like you said, if I'm in a neighborhood or I, I also felt the most unsafe my entire life, like right outside of my apartment in Chicago. And yeah, you just have to be, you. it's like you said, it's not a matter of freaking myself out or thinking everyone's going to do something. It's just literally being aware of like, this person's getting closer. 
put my phone in the other hand. Like it's very small things like that where you just, you know, I check my purse is like, okay, it's on this side or whatever. It's just being aware. And it's, yeah, it's what you have to do in order to stay safe and also like travel and see the world and do the things that you want to do. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I, I totally agree. It does kind of suck that as women, it does definitely suck that as women, we have to think extra hard about that sort of stuff compared to like, if my husband was traveling by himself, I can tell you, he would not think of anything. He'd just like stroll down the street, like never crossing his mind that like something could happen to him. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's so frustrating, honestly, but I don't think, you know, as women, we should let that hold us back from doing cool things that we love. We just need to be a little bit more prepared, which does suck, but it's just, it's just life. Right. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Is there a place on the flip side of things that you feel most connected to? Like if you were not living in Seattle, where else, like, is have you ever visited somewhere, especially internationally? And you were like, I could definitely see myself living here. Yeah, I could definitely see myself living in some parts of Europe, like particularly in sort of the, the Alps region, you know, like Switzerland, the Dolomites of Ooh, Italy, yeah. um, Austria, like that sort of part of Italy. It's, I mean, Europe, it's just, oh my gosh, the food and the mountains and the people and the culture. And yeah, I love it. And then I could definitely live like pretty much anywhere in Canada. Same with New Zealand. I have like a pretty strong connection to the South Island of New Zealand. I could definitely live there. And I could obviously live back in Australia. I love Australia. And there's more places in the US I could live too. Yeah. Spoken like a true traveler. You're like, I could live here and here. (laughs) Oh, I would also love to live there. Oh yeah, that other place I went. Yeah, I could live there in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Connecting to everywhere and everything. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. I could live most places in the world, at least the places I've traveled to, because I, I pick places that I want to travel to because there's some sort of draw there already. So I feel like pretty much everywhere I travel to, like I could at least live for like a few months or something. Right. Yeah. What is a piece of advice you would give to someone wanting to live a similar lifestyle, whether it be influencer wise and social media based or just like traveling uh, full time or more often? You know, people often view travel as like this really crazy, extravagant, luxurious, has to be expensive. Like, how on earth are you doing that? And, you know, it, it gets tough to explain all the time. Like, we don't have to travel like you see other people traveling, like you can do it in so many different ways. So what is some advice you would give to somebody who looks at you? you and wonders like, okay, how is she doing that? I want to as well. Yeah. Well, I guess I would say pretty much just do what I did and like save every single freaking penny you can. And, you know, like don't buy coffee out and like, don't like make your coffee at home and don't eat out as often, eat at home and all the things like don't spend money on alcohol out. It's too expensive. <laughs> like these, yeah. these things that, that that might sound really boring to some people, but it makes a huge difference over the course of a year in terms of how much money you can save. And in terms of like getting into traveling, definitely just start local. Like I think I think everyone pretty much has something within like a two hour drive that they could access and like experience what it's like to visit a park or, you know, another part of your state that you've never been to. I think that's like a really great 
place to start. And then I think the next step from that would be to plan a road trip. Still somewhere like relatively local, maybe it's to the next state or the state over or something like that. And if you're on a budget, camp. Like it's super cheap to camp. You can find free camping. You of all people know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and then I think the next step, like if like a lot of people say, like, oh, I'm I'm afraid to travel by myself or like I'm scared about traveling for the first time. And I really do think that going in a group setting for your first time is such a great idea, whether it be, you know, you could go in like a larger group if you wanted to, like some of those you know, like Kentucky or Intrepid or something like that. There's a sort of like right. larger group style, or you can go on something a little bit smaller and more intimate, like Trova Trip or whatever, where there is a guide and they're going to just be like, all right, get up at seven in the morning and they take you to the restaurant and then you're there and like you don't have to think about what you're doing. And that's a right. really great way to not only like meet people who love traveling and then you can take future trips with those people, but you can just be fully focused on, you know, dealing with learning a new culture and learning new skills and experiences that you're a little bit nervous about without having to, on top of that, add the organization, the language barrier, the planning, like all that stuff that just feels overwhelming to a lot of people when they first start traveling. And I guarantee you after taking that first group style trip, you'll be able to take solo or like with friends or whatever afterwards and it won't feel anywhere near as overwhelming. Yeah, that's such better advice than what I've ever said. <laughs> I never recommend, I'm always like, just do it. Like you just have to get the plane tickets, go. And because for me, it really did, which is very like selfish and slightly narcissistic that I would perceive anyone else feeling the same way that I did because I, it just felt so natural to me. Like I was not intimidated by another culture. I mean, yeah, it's not easy. I don't walk in and, you know, know this other language, but I just am like, okay, we're both here and I need to get my message across, whether I have to write it down, Google translate it. Like those types of situations just don't, a lot of things fluster me and that just is not one of them. And so, yeah, that advice is just tremendously better because I do feel like most people, if you are that fearful for whatever reason to just have so many things, not be a concern, like you said, you know, you're just kind of being taken on the trip. Like it's already been planned. It's literally organized. You have a guide who probably speaks your language plus the local language. Yeah. That is way better. That's also yeah. saying that. <laughs> and on those trips, like in my experience anyway, and like hearing what other people do, there's usually always like days or half days or evenings where it's actually scheduled that you have to do your own thing anyway. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you're like babysat for some of it, but then it's like off you go and you have to like right. do some things on your own. So it's a really supported way to like have that experience for the first time. And I think like, like you said, if you have the confidence to just go and like do it for the first time by yourself without anyone, like absolutely just go do it. But I'm more speaking to particularly like the Americans that message me who, um, you know, in this country, it's not as common to just go and travel like and to to know how to do all that stuff like I feel like it's just harder to learn that stuff here so I'm sort of more speaking to those like younger Americans that just don't even know where to start and they're quite fearful about starting because like yeah it's travel is so awesome and if you can get past that you'll just be addicted Yeah. Well, and one of the the best points that you made is that specifically someone like myself growing up in the Midwest and all of these people who are growing up in smaller towns or in the Midwest or these places, you really don't have, because I feel like on the West Coast, it is a little bit different, but like there's no one 
from where like any of my friends growing up that wanted to travel that like my sister never had any interest in it. And so I think if you are alone in that like desire and wanting to see the world doing something like Trova trip, even on the half day where you get to go explore, you're like surrounded by 10 other people and you can just be like, okay, can I come with you and do that? So yeah, for anyone who doesn't have friends that are interested in that, that would be a really great way to meet people and to like start with, you know, make, make some travel friends that you don't have wherever you're from. Yeah, for sure. I, I've like done a few things like that where either I've been like a leader at a trip or a workshop or, um, gone on one of those trips myself, like back in the day and hundred percent, like people make friends and it's so beautiful to see, like, I'm thinking of students on like trips and workshops that I've ran who I've seen them take so many trips together since that trip. And I love Mm -hmm. that like travel friendship they've created and how they've kept in touch with each other all over the world. And it also makes traveling way cheaper when you meet people who um, live in all different parts of the world who want to do it too, because like then you can go to say Belgium because you have a friend that lives there and you can stay with them and they'll take you to places versus, you know, knowing absolutely no one, you obviously have to spend more money. So it's also a really great way to not only meet people, but to like have almost like networking connections around the world to like help you plan travels and to make travel more budget friendly. Yeah, that's such a funny example that you just gave because when I went to college, I'd never gone anywhere. And I, my best friend was from Belgium. I met her in Chicago at art school and she was from Belgium. And so my first international trip was her saying, hey, you want to go meet my family in Belgium? And I was like, (laughs) sure. And so we flew to Belgium and I stayed at her parents or at her uh, family's house, which made obviously me way more comfortable. And then like, I at least had her for like, she showed me France and Italy. I mean, in Europe, you know, like they kind of travel so frequently and like, it's just a very cheap flight away. So I had her to like show me around for my first thing. And then I came back and I ended up going to South Africa right afterwards. Cause I was obsessed. And that yeah. was the trip where I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was, that was a very, very, and we went to Tomorrowland, which was like the most intimidating thing ever. I'd never been, I still, that was the only music festival I've ever been is like the biggest one in the entire world. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about EDM, but like, sure. <laughs> I'm just here for a good time. Um, uh, okay. So I'm also in this new relationship and I can feel it. Uh, we're, you know, becoming like partners in all ways. And we do social media, we take photos, we do these things. So we are kind of figuring out our roles as that as well. I'm interested in how like you and your husband have managed that. Like, what are your guys's roles in your business? How do you guys, how do you even view your business? Are you the one who's usually in the photos and he's taking them? Do you take turns? What is, what does he do? What do you do? Yeah. So our business has evolved a lot over the years. When, <clears throat> when we first started doing this, we sort of like both had our own Instagram accounts and like I had my blog and we were like very much kind of only doing our own thing, but we were doing it together. So we we're like going on trips together. I was taking my photos, posting them. He was taking his photos, posting them. And there wasn't a lot of overlap there. And then uh-huh. we very quickly realized that, um, if we wanted to make more money and if we wanted to be successful, that um, we had to sort of follow a path that people were most interested in. And also that was just like more relevant to like current trends and, and everything like that. And the reality is, is that the brand that that my Instagram and my blog and, you know, my kind of photos that I post 
is just like more interesting to people. And I think part of that is like being a woman in the outdoor travel space is a little less common. And so it's like, like women need women role models to look up to and and as well in the photography industry. So anyway, there was just like a lot more opportunities from coming from my blog and from my brand. So we sort of, it was like a very gradual process. We just sort of pivoted more and more to focusing on, you know, Renee Roaming being the brand. And now we nearly solely focus both on uh, my blog and my Instagram and then do some commercial photography work on the side outside of that as well that you don't really see on Instagram. But yeah, how we like split roles and stuff, I guess we're really lucky that we, both Matt and I, can sort of do all the things in our business. Like we can both take photos, we can both edit photos, we can both write blog posts, we can both post to Instagram, we can both write captions, we can both whatever. There's definitely some things related to Instagram that like... Matt can't do like he would never be able to create a reel or a TikTok <laughs> at this stage. Like he'd be like, "What?" So yeah, there's definitely like, some elements that I have to focus a little bit more on. But otherwise, we pretty much just split our business by whatever we feel like doing. So like if he feels like editing, if he feels like writing a blog post, if I feel like writing a blog post, and then there's like some elements in our business that one person just takes completely complete control over. Like it's a bit cliche, but more so because I hate doing it. Matt does like all the financial side of our business in terms of like the invoicing, all the, you know, anyone who has their own business knows that QuickBooks and like categorizing expenses and stuff like that is such a pain in the butt. (laughs) So he deals with all of that because I hate doing it. So like there are definitely elements of our business where it's just like his role or it's just my role and we split it like that. But I will say like more in relation to like you mentioning that you're in like a newer relationship, it definitely makes it easier for Matt and I that we're married because we share our finances. And I, and I think like just having friends in this industry who are very similar to Matt and I and like, you know, run their businesses together as such, but don't share finances. I see like it being a lot more challenging because you actually have to more quantify, okay, like what did you do to help me? And like, how do I need to compensate you for that? Which definitely makes things more complicated. Like, we just, Matt and I, our money is our money, you know? So it's just like, if I get a job and he actually doesn't work that much on it, it's fine. Like I just contributed that to our money and and vice versa. There's not this sort of like, oh, we're focusing more on you or focusing more on me. So I don't know if I have like the best advice (laughs) for like unmarried couples. But that's yeah, but that's least. interesting. Like, was there any, was there ever a moment of like tension or competition where you guys felt like, okay, a conversation has to be had that like maybe Renee Roaming is something we should be focusing more on in terms of like money and success, which is what we're all going for here. Like was right before that conversation. Well, first of all, how was the conversation in general, but also was there like a moment of uh, tension that kind of brought that to a head? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of tension in that I was just there was a lot more work coming in for for my brand and I was struggling to manage it. And I was feeling like extremely overwhelmed and like from a time commitment, I just couldn't deal with it. But it was like very obvious that in terms of like finances, that 
my business was having more opportunities for us to make money, more, at least more like guaranteed opportunities where like pretty much if we focused on that, it would be guaranteed like 100% we'd make that income. Whereas like a lot of the stuff we we're focusing on for Matt's business, you know, when it comes to like commercial photography and things like that, you never like quite know when one of those amazing jobs is going to come up or like when a brand is going to reach out about a huge licensing deal or something. Those are so amazing and they're very profitable. But like it's less guaranteed. Sometimes you can go quite a long time in between those things without it happening. So yeah, there was definitely like a little bit of tension and a little bit of like, I'm drowning over here and me just being like, I really need help and having to have that conversation like, all right, well, what will it mean if if Matt can focus less on his photography? Like, what does that mean for his goals and his business? And I'm just honestly so lucky that, I have like the most supportive and chill husband in existence. He like, he's, you know, we both grew up in households where even though our fathers were the breadwinners, our mothers were incredibly respected and it was never like, I'm the breadwinner. So like, you have to do what I'm telling you to do sort of thing. Like we grew up in very like amazing households. And I think we both value equal partnership in a marriage and he does not have a complex about, you know, his wife being more successful, which honestly, I think if if that was a thing, it would it would be really challenging. And I really feel for people whose partners aren't supportive of them. I like literally have the opposite problem. He's like always hyping me up and being like, you should totally do that. And I'm like, no, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> so I'm yeah. very thankful for his support. Right. Okay. Well, that's, people shouldn't be with a person who's not supporting them in those ways. You know, hearing someone, if someone is feeling that other kind of way, I think hearing you talk about that is really helpful just in thinking like, okay, maybe this person's not necessarily for me or how, you know, I, as a partner can communicate this, like what I need from this person without them feeling like they are, because that my concern would always be, and I don't feel this way with Henry because our businesses are actually pretty different, but making sure like, okay, I don't want you to feel like you were just working so hard for so long for potentially like nothing, you know, and and now you're just Mm -hmm. jumping onto what I've built and creating that with me. But I think in like any healthy relationship or partnership, it should be that way, you know, and like you are working towards success. Everyone is and in money. And, you know, and so I think if that's where money and success is, and he doesn't feel like he's losing anything, then there would be no reason for that transition to not happen. Yeah, um, for sure. For to be married to somebody who's hyping you up. I mean, hello. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what we're all going for. Yeah. And very I, lucky. I, um, wait, wait, what'd you say? I just said, I'm very lucky. Mm, yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> I can finally say that now. <laughs> a couple, a couple months ago, I'd be like, what is that like? Please tell me everything. Um, yeah, it is amazing. And I also feel very lucky. I also, I love talking about mental health. I made that, you know, pretty, uh, a pretty big pillar of my brand. And I also, I love traveling has just impacted my mental health in a million different ways. I, I don't know what it is about. I don't know if it's the constant stimulation or the constant changes or, you know, keeping myself busy. And if I do get bored or I get in a rut, I can kind of just like turn the key and go somewhere and feel a little bit refreshed and, and like, you know, lighter in a way. And I'm curious to know if you think like traveling has impacted your mental health and also because you've mixed business with your travel, do you ever have like obligations to a company or to a brand or whatever your work situation might be? And then, you know, you're not feeling motivated and you're, you're feeling a little bit down. Your mental health is not at its highest, like how you manage those obligations still. 
Yeah, sure. Definitely, like, yeah, I find that absolutely travel makes me feel so much better, especially, like, if we're going to, like, zero in on something, particularly, like, the outdoor travel, like, hiking, backpacking, just sort of being out in nature. That sort of travel is where I really reap the benefits when it comes to mental health. And I personally, if I haven't, like, got out in nature and done that sort of thing, very much in a period of time, like I'll start noticing that I really need to go do that and just like clear my space up. I definitely think it contributes to my overall happiness. And that for me, my biggest thing when it comes to mental health is that feeling of overwhelm and burnout. And I think, you know, it's like very multifaceted. It's like there's an element of having a lot of like perfect perfectionistic tendencies, I can't speak. (laughs) And like, you know, like if you have those sorts of tendencies, you're, I just think you're much more likely to start getting overwhelmed by things and start feeling burnt out because you put so much pressure on yourself to like do it all and to do it all perfectly and amazingly. So yeah, definitely going back to your question about like being in places and feeling that pressure to do stuff. Absolutely. And honestly, it's something that I think will be an ongoing struggle. I don't see it like going away anytime soon because it is literally my business to work when I'm in these places to capture that moment. Mm -hmm. And it is extremely hard for me to like sit there and watch a sunrise or a sunset and like not picking up the camera is one thing like that's, that's hard, but it's like not too hard, but to turn off the thoughts in my head of like, you should be making a reel about this. You should be taking photos. Like it's, it's so ingrained in my existence. Like having done this um, as my business for five years now, full time, like I can't just switch my brain off that feeling when I travel of like, you need to create, 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 capture, like you should be working. And I definitely struggle with that. And I think when plus side of the pandemic is that I feel like in the last 12 months-ish, I've like finally started to take what sort of resembles like a weekend. (laughs) And that is like not something that I used to do previously. I used to just work every single day. And, um, and I think the pandemic has like allowed me to slow down a little bit because we're not traveling as much and to place um, more of a priority on actually having days where I like don't go on Instagram. I don't check my emails. I, I don't worry about editing photos or like whatever it is, because like that is normal. I used to be like a normal person that had weekends and I would just go and hike and enjoy myself. And I really realized that I needed to like bring bring that back to placing more value on that and being you know more of a normal (laughs) existing person yeah I struggle with that so much anytime literally anything is happening I'm like well this is a great story I have to share it so I mean you're either posting it storying it reeling it tiktoking it and it's like but it is I don't want to be so millennial but it is my job like I if I I have to make money (laughs) yeah you do you get so in the habit of and 
thinking about the my followers. Like they follow me because they would want to see the sunrise. Like who am I to get this sunrise to myself? Which I yeah. I love pretending like I wake up for sunrise the way that you do. That's cute. But so maybe sunsets. <laughs> I'm more acquainted with sunsetting. But yeah, I just always think like people follow me because they want this view. So why would I not share that with them? But it does turn into an every. It's just constant. And then of course you do get downtime and I'm like, okay, I'll record a podcast. I will do this. I can edit photos. I'm not going to work today. I'm just going to send a few emails and it's like, okay, well that that is working for anyone else, you know? And I do that every, every single day. There's something that I'm doing for work. Like, I really don't know if there's been a day in the last two years that I just completely took off. So I'm probably in the beginning stages of what you were just explaining and how that's why I said like, somewhat like a quotation mark somewhat resembles a weekend because I I still haven't successfully I think taken one of those days where I like didn't just like go and pin some things on Pinterest for my business or I didn't like put a story up or like reply to one email like I I still haven't had like a proper weekend but I'm having what looks more like a, a weekend than what I used to have which is good it's like a step forward yeah, for sure. I need to be better about that as well. Yeah. I mean, even it's like one of those things where it's like, I watch the sunset so often I could probably manage watching one of them without Instagram storying it. No one would ever know. But instead I'm just like, let me just do it really quick. And then it also turns into a story, a picture and a TikTok. And then I'm just like, okay, well now it's like 11 PM. The sun was setting five hours ago and I'm still on my phone because I'm editing all of this shit together. It's a very difficult thing to turn off. Okay. So along the same lines, because I think that probably is a struggle that most people don't. And I mean, we're talking about some first world problems. I do see that. I want everyone to know that. Like I do get like, it's, I I feel nothing but extraordinary gratitude that like, that's my complaint of behind working social media. Like I'm so passionate about what I do, but like you've been sharing, I feel like whether it's stories, reels here and there, some other like struggles that you have behind the camera that people might, might not see, like even just waking up for sunrise, like, you know, not everyone is super excited to wake up at 4.30 a.m. or 5 or go on these like really, really hard hikes with like, like very technical things. I don't know. I don't hike like that. But <laughs> I hear people say they were technical. So I feel like that's part of it. And just to get that shot, right? It's a beautiful shot. And she's so lucky. And it's like, well, she could have hiked 20 miles to that picture, you know, like you have no idea what went into that. So what are some of the other struggles that people just looking at your feed at like first glance uh, might not realize? Yeah, I honestly think like the biggest one is the the time commitment. And I think I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think that when they see a photo on my Instagram or wherever it is, that, you know, like Matt and I would just hike randomly found ourselves in a destination and then we were just hiking along and we thought that's a good photo and we just picked the camera right. up and took took it in like a minute and then we just got back home or to the van or whatever and we just threw it up on Instagram and I wrote the caption in a second and you know but really mm-hmm. that whole process was probably like a day's work just to post one mm-hmm. freaking photo because you know like I am I, like I said before, I'm like a perfectionist and I I like things to be a certain way. So like I think about captions and I like spend way too long thinking about how a photo is edited and I plan trips for a certain, you know, photo and things like that. So definitely I think the time commitment, like a lot of people might not realize just how much time goes into every photo or every reel or TikTok or whatever. And then I guess other stuff behind the scenes, definitely like the sleep element. You talked about that. 
that is like such a struggle when traveling. I, uh, I, the older I get, I really struggle like not getting eight hours of sleep or even like seven hours. If I get less than that, I'm just like a zombie. Um, so that's a real struggle. And then also, I, I talk about this sometimes on my Instagram. I, for many, many, many years, like probably coming up to like 10 years now, I've really struggled with like problematic skin. And I have like, I'm wearing, we're on video right now for everyone else, but like I'm wearing makeup right now. So you like can't see, but I have like a lot of acne scarring and it's just something that I'm self-conscious about. And for me to show up on Instagram stories when I'm traveling or to like be on video, it's just like another thing to think about that like, oh, I probably should like, not should, but like, I feel like I need to put concealer on or whatever it is, just so I have the confidence to be myself and to not be like self-conscious about it, which I know is silly, but like, I'm just being real. Like, that's just how I feel. Yeah, that. I don't think it is silly. And it actually, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it really yeah. frustrates me when people think that you have to show, not you specifically, of course, but anyone to show up so authentically and you have to no. we want to see you know like anything we want to see like people ask me about my rosacea all the time and I'm just like yeah but I feel like I can go out in the world more confidently and have a better day if I do put on foundation and if like I deserve that I deserve a good day and I deserve to show up on Instagram stories without being self-conscious you deserve that like anybody does and if it takes something so small like concealer to to make you feel better than like it it does frustrate me a little bit and obviously I look up to a lot of the people who do show their skin and their bodies and and they do these things and like I love that and I I idolize that in many ways but like that doesn't mean that I have to follow suit in all of those different ways like I, I feel like I show up pretty authentically so do you and so it's like it yeah it does frustrate me I think when people suggest that you you know but you don't need that I'm like okay well I yeah. want it <laughs> and also it's like people don't realize that um like if someone says that it's something they struggle with like believe them because you know I don't show up on Instagram when I have really bad like cystic acne breakouts I just don't show my face on Instagram when it looks like that and also when you post a story on Instagram the quality is terrible so you like already get some like blurring effects when you post stuff on stories and then you add like a filter on top of that and you look freaking flawless which is great and it Like, I know that can be deceiving to some people, but if it's the difference between me having the confidence to like put my ass on stories that day or, (laughs) or to not, then like, I feel like I'm doing a better job showing up for the people that follow me if I need to put a filter on. And like, I don't know. I just, like you said, it's, it's not ideal that society makes us feel you know, that we're not perfect with certain things, but it's also totally okay that if you need to do that to show up, like you do that. But that is definitely something that like goes on behind the scenes that, you know, I feel like I have to be like a little bit more put together if I'm going to be on video just because it gives me the confidence to do that. And I definitely have like gotten better about that over the years. Like I now occasionally like show up on stories without makeup on like if I'm feeling confident but I get people like comments uh, like on videos and stuff of me hiking that you can like tell that I'm wearing like mascara and concealer I'll get usually men actually actually a lot of women as well saying like oh you're hiking with makeup on like that's so lame and stuff like that and I'm like oh my gosh like does it matter that I chose to put makeup on before I hiked? Does it matter like that I chose to straighten my hair or like whatever it is? Like 
you wouldn't judge my husband if he quote unquote did his hair, like put like product in his hair before hiking. Like no one would mention a single thing if my husband did that. They wouldn't even notice. They think he just looks like that. But like right. if I do something, it's like, oh, you're not an authentic hiker woman because you like it's so lame. Yeah. I've also noticed just to give you some serious credit, just like, I mean, I've been following you for a while, but you, I feel like when I uh, first started following you, which I had this exact same journey, but like, I didn't really ever see you talking to the camera or like being on your stories and stuff, which it really does go such a long way just to even like hear somebody talking and hear anything to see their face showing up. And I, the last, I don't know, six months or so, like, I feel like you've been doing that so much more and it does as a audience member, make me feel so much more connected to you. And even like to show up to the podcast, I feel more comfortable talking to you. Cause I'm like, well, I, I heard her talk a million times, you know, <laughs> like it, it's, it definitely uh, helps with that feeling. I think you've been doing a really great job at that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I, I try and I try to like not psych myself out being on things like this or on video and I, I'll like mention, and we mentioned it earlier before the podcast that I'm like maybe getting into vlogging, which is so terrifying to me. But I think it's just one of those things. It's just another hurdle and another adventure to go on that I'm hoping that, you know, I'm not saying this to be like held accountable or anything. If I don't enjoy doing it, I'm not going to keep doing it. But it's certainly something that I'm keen to try and see how it goes. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so exciting too. I also love travel vloggers because I don't really do that much international stuff because I have the dogs now. So I love getting to watch people. I mean, I technically still could. And people always ask if I would like ship my van somewhere, but it just sounds way too complicated to me. And I live in a country where, you know, I can go to Canada or Mexico, United States, there's so much beauty to see, but yeah, I don't know sure. where. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, I lost my train of thought and then I came back, but it was again. <laughs> happens to me on the podcast all the time. See, don't be nervous. Um, <laughs> What has been your proudest moment in all of your career doing what you do now? Like brand deal, was there a certain photo? Quinn, Everchanging Horizon was on the podcast before and he mentioned like this one photo that he really, he just worked really hard to achieve and he kind of got that. So I'm curious to know if there was ever a moment where he thought, I mean, I said like made it if you'd ever made it, but like, I don't know if you'd ever necessarily feel that way. So just like a big accomplishment that you had achieved. Yeah, I feel really thankful that I've actually had a lot of moments like that in the last few years. Probably the biggest, like the most surreal of all of them was when um, my husband and I published our book and it arrived and we like physically like had our book on our coffee table and seeing it on Amazon and, you know, like, like a real freaking book, you know, like it was in Target and Walmart and like, that was like super surreal and having people message me with it on their coffee tables and knowing that yeah. our book is in like, you know, tens of thousands people of home. households. Yeah. Around the world. Like, yeah. and it's, it's translated into two languages now. So that's been really surreal. And then recently I did an ad for nature Valley, like a pro, like a proper commercial with David Diggs. Do you know him? He's from, um, What's it called? That uh, sounds really familiar. Um, oh my gosh, I just had a total blank. Um, that play, Hamilton. He's from Hamilton. Tons of other things as well. Anyway, I was in a commercial with him um, and, and some other people that was like legit on TV and stuff, which was like the most bizarre thing. Like I had people sending me um, 
screenshots of like me on their TV. And I was like, that's bizarre. Like I just, Oh my God, that's so fun. It it was really fun. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity. And then kind of similar to that, uh, Matt and I just shot um, a commercial campaign for Icebreak, the Merino wool like clothing brand. And I'm currently on like all their store banners and like out the front of their stores and stuff. And I've had people send me photos when they're walking past the store, like with my face next to the icebreaker thing being like, bye Merino wool. And that's just crazy as well. Like stuff like that is what really gets me not weirded out, but kind of weirded out, but more so just like, that's so weird that like people want me in their commercials or like on their storefronts or like people want to buy my book. It's just like, really, it's really cool. Yeah, that's so exciting. How do those opportunities come about? Specifically the book, like did somebody reach out to you about this book or or the commercials or like was the book something that you wanted to do? Did you ever did you ever imagine being in a commercial, writing a book? Oh, like those three examples I said actually were were all something that um, I was approached about. So the, yeah, the book, my husband and I finished our road trip to all the national parks and a publisher in um, Europe reached out to us and was like, hey, do you like, do you want to make a book about it? And we had thought about making a book prior to that. But like, it's a lot of work to publish a book, particularly to self publish a book, like if you're thinking about doing that. So when like an actual publisher reached out to us saying that, you know, there'd be a whole team involved and like marketing and like distribute distribution and stuff like that, that we wouldn't have to deal with any of that. That's when it became a real possibility. And and yeah, and and we went ahead and did it. And then those other two things, the commercial and like magazine covers and store banners and billboards and stuff like that. That's always like hundred percent of the time it's the, either the brand or an agency reaching out saying, Hey, this brand really wants you to create this or this brand saw this photo of yours and they want to license it for Lonely Planet or like whatever it is. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Are you, because I'm so bad at this, which I actually recently just hired uh, an agent to really help me do these things. But when (laughs) like, has anybody, are you good about when someone reaches out to do a certain campaign, whatever that would look like, maybe it's just an ad on Instagram or whatever. Like, have you ever, do you upgrade that typically? Are you like, well, I can actually do this, this, and this, if you would like to kind of do more. Like I, I can also be on the banners and take more photos and work on whatever. You know what I mean? Like, do you typically do that? Yeah, for for a lot of jobs, I'll do that. That's one reason that uh, my business, we've like made a really um, big effort to have a lot of different income streams. So I can offer right. stuff to do with uh, the blog, can offer stuff to do with Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter. like, And then we also can offer commercial photography assets as well. So yeah, like definitely I'll check with clients if they want other things. I don't have a manager, but I do collaborate with a manager and like from an agency on those really big projects. So that Nature Valley commercial, I, it was the first time I'd ever done like broadcasting and working um, with SAG. Some people might know what that is. Screen it's like the actors association or whatever I'd never Mm -hmm. done anything with them before and like that was very intimidating receiving the contract and having that agency 
say like, oh, it's going to be on this, this and this. And I was like, well, I have no idea what that's worth because I've never done this before. So in situations like that, when I, when something's brand new and I've, and I've never quoted for something like that before, I'll typically like consult with a manager to like help me negotiate that deal. And it's very helpful um, to have that sort of assistance. But I find for the most part, I'm able to negotiate deals without help. And I think that just comes from like, I've just been doing it for a long time now. So I kind of am pretty confident with what to charge and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bad at that. That's why I had to get help. (laughs) I'm always like, okay, you're willing to pay me a dollar. That's totally fine. I'm not even, I'm not even keep, I'm not even worth the dollar. (laughs) I'm like the opposite. I'm like, quote them and if they I'll just like walk away if they don't want and then they'll usually reply like two weeks later oh well okay <laughs> you gotta like you gotta leave right. them hanging Sydney you gotta well, like that's, that's okay. Christian taught me that too she was yeah. like oh I walk I mean I do walk away from plenty of deals trust me it's not like people are just hitting me up in the inbox I'm just like sure why not I'll sell that t-shirt like of course not <laughs> but I'm just not like I'm not used to but like obviously a lot of hard work goes into Instagram and all of these different things, but it's still something I love so much and I would be doing regardless. So it's like, it's hard for me to feel like I'm worth more than that. If you're, they're offering you thousands of dollars, it's kind of like, okay, well that's a lot of money and I'm just great. Like I I worked at a car wash for $7 an hour for years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now someone, a brand I love is paying me X amount of money. Like that just seems insane so I'm just not good at that anyways point is I have help now so your girl yeah. gonna be doing much better <laughs> that's, that's amazing and I and honestly I think the best way to get past that is just like because I think it's very easy to get caught up on you thinking about like oh I love doing this though like should I really get paid for that and like is this really worth it I like to bring it back to if this brand was like having to put on like a huge commercial shoot to get this photo for their advertising or to like, if they were putting Mm -hmm. money into like Facebook ads or like billboards or whatever it is, they would be spending so much money, like so much money. They get such value from, you know, quote unquote influencers that it's really about like making them pay what what that is worth because the value that they get from doing those branded deals is usually like so much higher than what they get when they just run normal ads that yeah they're getting like the the good end of the bargain <laughs> so like yeah, yeah for sure yeah, I, you and uh, Christian have very similar mindsets about that, and, and we're working on it. Uh, <laughs> who is someone that you, over time, have really looked up to and kind of like had as a as an idol in some way that you would recommend people following, supporting, or or anything? Yeah, I'm so lucky that over the years I've just been really surrounded by women that I look up to in this industry. I'm so thankful that pretty much all the women that I look up to most are my friends, which I think is. Yeah, I think it's so amazing. And it's women like you and Christian Schaefer, Chelsea Yamase, or um, her Instagram handle is Chelsea Kawaii, Erin Sullivan from Erin Outdoors. Uh, gosh, I feel like I could like go on and on. But like it, women yeah. that are like really successful in our industry and are very authentic, genuine, talented, and just really inspire me to be better and to like explore new like, like Christian, for example, is really inspiring me to potentially start vlogging because I love watching her vlogs. And I've yeah. watched vlogs now for, gosh, at least 10 years. Like I'm a big YouTube junkie, <laughs> but uh, I love YouTube. 
<laughs> I've had like a premium membership for so long. But anyway, but in more recent times, like people like her and Craig Adams and Nathaniel Wise and like lots of people, I'm just super inspired by watching their adventures and like connecting to them in a different way to how I usually connect with them on Instagram. And um, so I just love how, yeah, your friends can like really inspire you to try new things. And and honestly, that's why I focus on having friends like that, that are just like so freaking cool. Yeah. Well, and that's such a, like a cool, unique thing about social media is that you can be friends with the people that you look up to. Like I look up to you and Christian Schaefer and, and so many other women and, you know, whoever in a million different ways. And it's cool that you can just like send a message. And I mean, not that you'll always get a response, but send a message and end up having conversations with someone who, you know, a couple months ago, you would never dream that you were just like talking to and getting advice from, which is just one of many reasons that I love social media. Okay. Where can people find you, your book, and how and where can they support you? Yeah, so I'm Renee Rooming on all the social channels besides TikTok. On TikTok, I'm Renee.Rooming. But if you put Renee Rooming in, it like comes up anyway. Um, And then my blog is ReneeRooming.com, like a travel and outdoor blog. And then my book, Rooming America, it's like pretty much everywhere books are sold. So like it's on every type of Amazon, um, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble. You know, it's like everywhere. That's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, it's really exciting. So you can, yeah, you can, <laughs> I, yeah, it's like so bizarre, honestly. So I don't sell it personally, as in like I don't ship them out, but you can purchase it from like all those retailers. So that's, yeah, that's how you can support me. And yeah, thank you for having me, Sydney. It's been so fun. Of course. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. Also, one last thing I, I yeah. try to remember with every guest, but I almost always forget. What is your favorite book other than your own book? Oh gosh, my favorite book. I like if we're sort of going to focus more on books that help you be a better person. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really love um, Brene Brown's books. Brene Brown. Yeah. She's like amazing. All her books, like Daring Greatly, like pretty much I've like read them all and I've learned so much from her books. And then sort of on a similar train, I really took a lot from Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, because I think if you're any sort of, if you're in a creative industry or if you just like being creative and and she literally talks about how everyone is creative and it's just something you need to like tap into I took I took a lot from that book and those all of Brene, Brene Brown's books and Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert I would definitely recommend. Okay, that's awesome, and I'm so sorry just to keep asking you questions, but I promise this is the last one. No <laughs> one ever can like nerd out with me on YouTube, so I'm very curious just personally who you like watching. I mean, of course, our like friends Christian Schaefer, Nathaniel Wise. Mm-hmm. If you like travel vlogs, definitely go check them out. But do you follow any like mainstream YouTube people? Yeah, I do. I follow you know like the Casey Neistat's of the world and people like that. Yeah, but honestly, I've started not really watching their channels as much like the really popular YouTubers anymore. I find mm-hmm. myself gravitating more towards people like Craig Adams and Nathaniel and Christian and like Louie and Raya. I don't know if you know them. Like just people who are like a little bit more <laughs> relatable. Not that those like big yeah. YouTubers aren't relatable, but I don't know. They all feel like it feels like they all get so successful and then they all start making videos. And then it's really hard to relate to them, you know, like they just disappear because they've, I I totally get it. They've got other business ventures. They have families, they're 
they have lives, like whatever. But it certainly makes it harder to stay connected to those people if they just, you know, stop creating videos. And I definitely relate a lot more to, yeah, to, to people who are like more similar to me. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Okay, cool. Wait, what was the one after you said Christian and Nathaniel, what was the third one? I'll um, literally go watch you after this. I, I, well, for years now, I followed Louie and Raya. I'm trying to, I think it's Raya. Okay. Raya was here. I'm trying to think of their handles. And then it's like Louie, if you literally type into Google Louie and Raya, Raya spelled R-A-Y-A. They, they just make really positive videos. They're actually like road tripping right now in a converted school bus, which is interesting. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And they, they just, yeah, they're fun. They make travel videos. They're like positive and just like if you're looking for a little bit more of an escape from, um, you know, everyday life, their videos are like a really nice, positive thing to watch. Okay. Love that. Beautiful. We're going to go watch one right now. Um <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And it was amazing finally getting to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. You're like such a good interviewer and you're, you're just so like relatable and nice in person. Everyone should definitely um, keep on listening. I'm, I'm obsessed with your podcast. Oh my God. Thank you. I, we were talking about this before the podcast, but just to mention it on here, I, the, the podcast just never, like for everyone listening, thank you for listening, but I just did not have the expectations for it that it is currently holding. I mean, that is it's amazing to me. Every time, even someone like you saying that you listen to the podcast, I'm like, wow, <laughs> who would have thought? Thanks. <laughs> I think it really comes down to that you, you're real on here. Like you, you just put right. yourself as you are out on the internet and you're so just relatable and kind. And I think, I think just shows through, like, I know people aren't watching it on video, but you did say you might be making them on video. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. I've been watching podcasts on YouTube and they all have like, which this is so me, like, just let me procrastinate for as long as possible. But like, I want to get like a nice sign for behind me so that it's not just me in my van, you know? But yeah, that's like, my brain is like, what other excuse can I come up with? Oh yeah, no, I have to have a sign. Of course, I can't do anything but if I have a sign. To be devil's advocate, I would, I must say that like, I feel like that's kind of cool at being you in your van. Isn't that like kind of like the point that you're this sure. like well, I want woman? I want to see the van, but I want the name of the podcast to be like on this wall or something. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? It's not yeah, that, like yeah. it's not just an hour and a half of me just talking like this. Like I don't know, there's like something happening in here. Like I can make a change in my van right before the podcast. Like let me just put my sign up. Okay, now I'm like in the zone to do yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I you see know? that. That would look cool if you had like on that wall a sign or something. But I honestly think if you just started doing the video thing like tomorrow, people would not care how it looked, just so you know. Okay, love that. Love this advice. Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, Sydney. Yeah. Bye. Okay, and that is a wrap on Renee Roaming. <laughs> I'm very happy that you guys got to uh, kind of get to know her alongside myself. Uh, her and I have been DMing back and forth. We're kind of online social media friends. Uh, like many other podcast guests, I just have not had the pleasure of meeting a few of them in person yet. Uh, so this was the first time her and I really got to sit down and talk in depth. And so I'm really happy that you guys uh, get to listen to that and experience it because she's an awesome person, obviously. Please do check out her book, Roaming. America, uh, all about the national parks and different hikes and stuff like that. And go follow her, Renee Roaming, on Instagram and wherever else she is. I know, like she said, she's on TikTok as well. 
And uh, last but not least, I wanted to just mention on the podcast that I recently released Instant Coffee. If you do not follow me on Instagram, or maybe you do and just don't pay like close attention, um, I launched my coffee collection um, maybe in December, I believe, November, December of last year. And now I have finally gotten to release my Instant Coffee line. Uh, right now, we only have two different roasts. It was the dark roast and the espresso roast, which were the two that I launched like whole bean version back in November. Um, but I'm so excited for this because it's so good for like backpacking or, uh, or just a morning where honestly, I'm not feeling like making coffee and doing the whole shebang. I can just heat up some water and pour this instant coffee in. It makes everything much faster and much easier. So, but like I said, backpacking, uh, even for like a gross office, you know, coffee machine or like, I know my dad even said that they're not letting at his work, they're not letting you make like community coffee anymore. Uh, so this would also be great for that. Uh, there's a million different things. A lot of nurses purchased it for nurse life and hotels or airplanes or anything else, wherever you think you would need like a fast coffee. It's definitely a cafe quality type of instant coffee. It's not gross like most instant coffees. We worked really, really hard to make a very good instant coffee. Um, so please do check that out. It's at shopdivineontheroad.com. I greatly appreciate it. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I will see you next week. I'm talking all about Mexico from start to finish, crossing the border, having the dogs, campsites, overnight parking, safety, all of that stuff. Um, so I will see you here next week to talk about that. Bye guys. Bye guys.